The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Well, it's been quite a week since uh, Tuesday's elections, especially. Everyone uh, in a high state of uh, confusion about the future. It's been interesting to watch the comedians who uh, mock Trump so much worry now about the degree of power he'll have over the corporations that run them. Uh, also, uh, Huffington Post, who originally was going to put Trump's run for the primaries, only in the entertainment section. I guess that didn't turn out so well. Among the concerns generated by the results of last Tuesday's election, and the one that seems to me to have caught the least attention so far, seems to be what it will mean to the world's environment. Perhaps that's because neither candidate had much to say on the subject during all the months leading up to the vote. But consider, climate change deniers will now be in charge People who mock science and uh, the uh, overwhelming majority of scientists who believe in climate change are considered uh, a hoax of some sort. And uh, folks are moving into office who are ready to remove environmental regulations on the energy industries that have lobbied against the solar and wind and in favor of coal-fired power plants and in favor of fracking for oil, and in favor of building new nuclear plants. Even in light of the Fukushima disaster that is still pouring radioactive waste into the Pacific Ocean. That Pacific, that radiation, by the way, is uh, having strange effects on some of the fish, not only around Japan, but um, throughout that ocean. For those who study the fragile nature of nature, this election must be terrifying. Uh, the accelerated melting of the ice caps in the Arctic and the Antarctic bode ominous for the growing threat to coastal populations. Sea rise, of course, is a major concern, especially in places like Florida and London, uh, where uh, a little, just a little bit of increased flow can mean huge flooding situations. Uh, petrochemical pollution to the water exemplifies, of course, most dramatically by the BP offshore disaster. Oil pipeline leaks, uh, hundreds of them, um, and uh, the, what the effect they have on our drinking water, which, of course, is what the Native American standoff in North Dakota is all about. And even more insidious, the, the particles of plastic, plastics no more than petrochemical material itself, the particles of plastic waste now filling the oceans. Um, people in sailboats who are taking an adventure for themselves find garbage, even in the middle of the Pacific, even in the, uh, not just the Pacific. And um, these are just uh, three of these problems, th- three of the environmental problems out of thousands that we are facing. The causes for all this destruction are complex, um, 
but they reflect equally on corporate indifference and the uh, geometric growth in the world's population. Um, recent Dan Brown movie called The Inferno took this theme up. Um, in fact, in the years since I've lived since World War II, the Earth's population has doubled. It was about 4 billion when I was born, and it's now pushing 8 billion. 8 billion hungry, thirsty, and reproductive souls. Uh, the Inferno movie uh, was very interesting because it uh, had a mad uh, billionaire scientist uh, type who uh, thought the answer was to uh, create a plague to wipe out half the population or more. Um, and, of course, the hero's job was to stop that from happening. But the uh, uh, flip side of the coin was that the movie does not provide any answer to that problem of population growth. And to handle that growth, corporations have taken the most exploitive and environmentally damaging paths to supply this uh, ever-growing marketplace. So as a consequence, we've cut down rainforests to grow corn. Uh, we grow corn to feed the, the uh, automobile industries uh, growing needs for gasoline. Uh, we grow soy to feed the world's populations. But unfortunately, both of those uh, products are genetically modified now, and so the consequences for what that means are... Uh, still to be seen. <clears throat> We've polluted rivers and offshore estuaries to drill for oil, to mine coal, and to pour cancer-causing poisons into our atmosphere from manufacturing and especially from the coal-fired electrical generation. But we should also uh, mention that natural gas and um, the byproduct of of that gas, the, me the methane that escapes from leaking pipes, from leaking wellheads, uh, does e even as much or more damage than the CO2 from the coal-fired plants. So neither of those um, are, uh, I guess I could say they're, they're vying for the race to the bottom. And then there's the disposing of all the poisonous wastes our mountains of garbage provide when we're done with our throwaways our aluminum cans, our plastic bottles. Neither side of the political spectrum in this country has taken on the heavy lifting of deconstructing our unbridled consumerism. Indeed, uh, many third world countries with deeply spiritual traditions, such as India, are so envious of America's lifestyle that the air, for instance, in New Delhi, that major capital in India today is uh, the most polluted city air in the whole world. Um, this is, and it took something to bypass Beijing, for sure. With the U.S. now poised to withdraw from the few environmental saving laws and agreements we do have, uh, and this was promised during the campaign, Donald Trump and his, and his uh, appointees certainly have this as a policy in mind, all of which bodes ill for the long-term survival of much of the human race. We already see it in nature. Interesting fact came out the other day. A big study declared that during since 1970, in less than half a century, 
of the world's wildlife has disappeared. In less than half a century, 60% of the world's wildlife has disappeared. Moreover, the bees needed for cross-pollination for our food supplies are disappearing um, because of um, various herbicides that are being used. And the widespread planting of GMO corn and other crops polluting the plant world as well as as these things spread. In exchange for short-term gains in crop production, our people are eating far too much pesticide in their own GMO food. Uh, the Roundup that Monsanto is uh, infamous for providing uh, is becoming less and less effective. And because of that, they're putting more and more of it into the into the product itself, which means that we're consuming more and more uh, Roundup. And we'll no doubt be paying for that later by succumbing to cancer, which is growing, and other health disasters in our future. The other day, I had the chance to see the 3D movie Doctor Strange, and I would highly recommend it to everyone, but especially those with an interest in near-death experience. And uh, there's a reason for that. This uh, The whole story is part of uh, the story of a surgeon, Doctor Strange, who at one point in the story uh, leaves his body and as an OBE soul aids in surgery being done on himself. I haven't heard of that actually happening in any NDE experiences that uh, have been reported, but uh, it's possible uh, in this particular case he appears to the woman who is doing the surgery and instructs her. But it's possible that uh, an out-of-body soul could influence without actually appearing to a surgeon uh, influence that surgeon's um, uh, work on the body. Uh, in fact, the uh, the whole beginning of Doctor Strange is a description of how a worldly, self-absorbed man become, uh, comes to terms with learning about eternity. Um, many a doctor, <laughs> in my experience, uh, could stand uh, a bit of the same lesson. Beyond that, however, it's a theological adventure, Dr. Strange is, on what it means to uh, sell even a portion of our lives to the dark side, even in the name of promoting good. And that's what we've been doing with the environment in the name of helping provide for material needs. But when that camel, that dark side camel, gets its nose in the tent, there is uh, no stopping evil's takeover. The question is, of course, whether under any circumstances we could avoid that dark temptation in ourselves. The old Catholic notion of original sin, that we all bear the consequences of the fall of Adam and Eve, seems to prove true in the Doctor Strange film. The movie's special effects results uh, of that moral slippage is uh, amazing, amazing special effects. They roll cities up on top of themselves. distort in an uh, Escher-like way a physical reality with uh, things going sideways and um, and upside down. Uh, it makes uh, the Matrix understanding of reality very, very vivid indeed. Provides the best graphic vision of moral chaos made physical I've ever seen on the screen. 
So in a word or more, go see it for yourself. I think you'll be equally amazed. At the conclusion of a Chinese meal I had yesterday, my fortune cookie told me there are coincidences. It was a cute reminder to me that I tend to believe the opposite. For example, one of my duties as chaplain at my hospital is to do a Sunday service on the weekends I'm on call. And this weekend, which of course was the weekend following the choice of Donald Trump to be president, I realized the weekend's lectionary reading seemed particularly relevant. Now, for those who don't know about the lectionary, uh, let me give you a word of explanation. The lectionary is a selection of readings from the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And the plan is they are intended to provide a skim through of the Bible over a three-year period. In other words, there's a sampling from the Old Testament, there's a sampling from the Psalms, there's a sampling from uh, Paul's letters or some of the New Testament texts, and then there's the Gospel reading. And it happens every Sunday in many, many churches around the country and around the world. And I like the idea, for one, because it's a tradition uh, still shared by a number of mainline Christian churches, including the Catholics, the Episcopal, Anglicans, Methodists, Congregational, and so on. These are churches who uh, all claim to be Christian and uh, and yet have uh, very few things that really tie them together, as well as the hearing the same lectionary readings from the Bible every week. <clears throat> In a world where there are uh, there are more than enough varieties on Christianity, sharing a reading tradition each Sunday is a really heartwarming idea. In other words, on any given Sunday, you should hear the same selections from the Old Testament, the Psalms, St. Paul, and the Gospel reading, no matter what mainline church you happen to attend. For example, let me give you a lectionary reading from the week before the election just to show how universal and not time-specific the messages usually are. And I picked this one also because it describes a little of what Jesus had to say about the afterlife. This is from Luke 20, 27 through 38. And um, it's uh, a group called the Sadducees, who along with the Pharisees were uh, the religious authorities in in Jesus' time for um, for the temple. The Sadducees believed there was no resurrection. They did not believe in um, that kind of an afterlife. And so they went to Jesus in a way to try and trap him, and they asked a question. They posed a question um, uh, in a very Jewish tradition and said, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. So say there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, then the second and the third married her, and so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman dies. And so in the resurrection, they say to Jesus, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus knew what (laughs) what they were trying to do. So he said to them, those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels. In other words, our souls are like angels, Jesus says, and are children of God. 
being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about uh, uh, where he speaks of the Lord, of the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus says he's not a God of the dead, he's a God of the living, because for him, to him, all of them are alive, which means that all of us uh, have eternal souls. We have the capacity to be alive after death. Some say Jesus never talked much about that, but it makes it pretty clear right here. So that was the week's lectionary gospel reading prior to the election. Now, of course, given the nature of religion, there are some alternate readings each Sunday. Uh, and I try to include the alternate readings in, in a printed bulletin. But let me uh, just give you the sampling of this this Sunday, the Sunday after the election um, readings. Now, bear in mind, these readings were chosen years ago based on a three-year spin through the Bible that had no planned coordination with social or political events. And yet the coincidences, to quote my fortune cookie that I note in the lectionary, are overlapping the day's readings juxtaposed with the day's events. These seem hardly coincidental. Anyway, what struck me Sunday was the appropriateness of this alternative Old Testament reading from the prophet Malachi. Quote, see, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Malachi 4. That was the alternative reading. Now here's the main choice. It's a description from the Old Testament of what is promised after we manage to destroy the earth. This is Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth, God says. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating, for I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will replace, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. But the serpent, serpent its, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This promise from God is to give hope to those who suffer at the hands of those exploiters who have kept all of this happiness from occurring right here, right now, on this beautiful planet God created for us. And now, here's the main gospel offering from the lectionary for the Sunday. 
just passed the Sunday following Trump's election. And it's Luke's telling of what Jesus had to say about the signs of the end times. So Luke 21, 5 through 19. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And and what? What will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. For these things must take place first. But the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. There will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. And he told his disciples, this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair on your head will will perish By your endurance, you will gain your souls. So he's saying, don't prepare for the end times. Be aware of their coming, but uh, trust in in the Lord. Of course, there's a lot of preparation going on now in the world as people uh, think the worst and fear the worst. They're stockpiling, buying guns and the like. The Psalm for uh, the same Sunday is also appropriate. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. Yikes. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear, burns the shields with fire. Quote, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 46. The movie Doctor Strange implies that our enemy is ourselves plus time. 
Adam and Eve's encounter with a serpent poisoned the well, but it's been a slow-acting poison indeed. There's a flaw in us that allows fear to overtake love on a regular basis. And the consequences become manifest in jealousy, in greed, in defensiveness, in fear of the other, be it manifested through racism or religion or lifestyle, whatever. In the past, we've started wars to get it out of our system for a while, but that fear always returns, always overtakes us and turns our good and charitable impulses to the dark side. So, spoiler alert, read Doctor Strange. It's the film's conclusion that the only way preservation can overturn destruction is to manipulate time, something that seems impossible to us in the real world. But what is real, anyway? Isn't time more than any a a dimension relative to everything else? I'm reminded once again of uh, Gerald Schroeder's proposal to... uh, Reconcile the six days of creation described in Genesis with the 13 and three-quarter billion years from the Big Bang to the creation of life on Earth. As I understand it, Schroeder was a scientist at MIT. I think he was a chemist rather than a physicist uh, of, of Jewish heritage, but not practicing, not a practicing Jew. And one day it hit, it hit him in an Einstein-related thought an observation that the forces of the Big Bang would so distort the dimension of time, the time outside the forces of that creation, relative to that creation even, would be extremely different. In other words, if God were standing outside the word that created it all, you know, God spoke the, the word, the word and, uh, out of nothing, everything came. But if God were standing outside of the universe, if he were on the sidelines watching uh, time where he stood, speaking relatively, because everything here is relative, would equal what we today would call six 24-hour days. Meanwhile, within the hugely distorting forces of the Big Bang, time from the beginning would, from nothing to the creation of everything in this universe, would be measured as 13 and three-quarter billion years. And Schroeder did the math to prove the correlation. This was not just a supposition. He actually worked things out. Uh, Well, according to the story, he was so moved by this possible explanation, coordinating text, biblical text to science, that he went back to Orthodox Judaism and moved to Israel to take up teaching there. Was it uh, just a coincidence that the six days described in Bible myth could match the 13 and three-quarter billion years of that science-determined age of the universe? Well, you may choose to consult with the fortune cookie about that. But for me, it makes sense that at the end of the day, science and religion will, like the lion and the lamb, lie down together in peaceful agreement with each other. After all, science and religion purport to search for uh, truth and how things happened and why things happened. We're going in the same direction, although science takes it from the uh, micro to the macro and religion the, the reverse. We look at the big picture first and then try to determine what it means for each of us. But in the meantime, 
The forces of fear and hate and greed are running things. And the consequences could be huger than huge. Instead of fretting, uh, go see Dr. Strange and recognize once again the power of spiritual reality over physical reality. Those of, of us who have uh, glimpsed the other side have a really important role to play these days in bringing things back to proportion so that life on earth might remain viable. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time for today. If you'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANDS, go to their website at iands.org. And tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.